Good evening and welcome to tonight's episode, Coping with Cancer. Tonight's guest is Jeremy Huntley, whose partner Charlotte was sadly diagnosed with cancer recently. I'm going to be having an in-depth conversation with him around how this has impacted on his uh, mental well-being and also that of his families. Cancer is a really important topic and something that many of us will face during our lifetime. But before we get on to that, Jeremy, how are you and how has lockdown been affecting your well-being? Well, thanks for uh, letting me come on and chat to you. I must admit, I thought it was a really good idea that you you set up. Um, Yeah, I mean, at the moment, lockdown's been pretty rubbish. I'm not going to lie to you. uh, I think it's the same for a lot of people, you know stuck doing the same thing all the time same Mm. walls you know i mean luckily i've gone to work a little bit so that's sort of broken it up a bit because i've had to actually go into work but yeah it's it's been pretty horrible time really yeah Yeah, it can't be easy situation so uh, and you know what we're about to talk about as well is is probably you know has an even bigger impact but we'll touch on that so Today's episode is going to be talking about effectively coping with cancer um, and the uh, mental side of being able to cope with that once it's been diagnosed. So just to touch on it in terms of the situation, Jeremy's other half, um, Charlotte, was diagnosed with cancer. Now, I'm not going to say any more on that. I'm going to let Jeremy talk about the situation um, and perhaps you could give us an insight into what that was like when you first heard about it and kind of how you initially coped um, and how it's how it's developed um, from a mental aspect. So do you mind just giving us a, a, a yeah, kind of, of summary of all that? Yeah. So um, basically, uh, back in June, my wife gave birth to our daughter, which was amazing. You know, we're over the moon about it. Uh, but all through her pregnancy, she was having a lot of issues with her, her gallbladder. And, um, you know, there was one, two, two occasions, I think it was, where I had to actually call an ambulance out because she was in so much pain from that. And, uh, you know, the downside was that was still when lockdown was taking place. So I couldn't even go with her to the hospital. So that was that was a hard time back then as well. Um, shortly after, they were doing a scan on her gallbladder to try to see, uh, you know, if, if it needed removing or, or what they needed to do. Um, and when doing the scan, that they noticed a mass in her chest. And, um, you know, we, we, we spoke to a few doctors and one of them was like, oh, it's not touching any organs. I'm sure it'll be fine, you know. And they were, it all seemed pretty positive. Um, so we were worried, you know, you would be, but we weren't really that, concern too much um they did some more scans um and then we were waiting i think it was for a whole month for the results from the scans because they were the biopsy that they'd done um they'd sent it away and to be honest they weren't sure what it was so it had to get sent from one place to another so yeah just the wait to try and find out what it was that was horrible i mean sort of because you're not you don't you you don't know what actually is wrong um and then we finally got the results and uh 
we got permission from the oncologist to allow me to go in the meeting as well. Um, and when we went in, uh, he said, oh, it's a really rare form of cancer. So obviously straight away, we were both pretty sort of crushed. And uh, my wife, Charlotte, she said, um, you know, what are my chances? And we were thinking, well, you know, they're, they're really good with cancer nowadays. They're, I'm sure that it's all going to be fine and, and whatnot. And he said, oh, um, average life expectancy for someone with this type of cancer is two years. So as you can imagine, that must we, have been a big um, shock. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a huge shock. I mean, we, we both thought it. Yeah, OK, it could be cancer. But we thought, well, you know, nowadays with everything that, you, that the NHS and medical people can do, it's not going to be too bad almost, you know, I think we didn't build ourselves up ready enough to receive the news of how bad it was going to be. So, yeah, I mean, for the first, so we, yes, Charlotte, obviously she, she broke down and she, she, as you expect, you know, she, she was in shock almost. So I obviously, I, luckily I was there because I was the one who pretty much spoke to the oncologist for the rest of the whole meeting. Um, Cause she, she couldn't even, comprehend anything anyone was saying um so i i obviously i we went through it all and he said you know what we're going to do is we're going to do palliative care and do chemo to try and prolong your life um so i mean to start off with i think it didn't even sink in it was just completely sort of almost yeah it just hadn't sunk in at all and people kept saying to me you know are you okay and i'm like of course I'm okay. What, what do you mean? Am I okay? Like I'm not the one who's, who's got the cancer. Why do I not be okay? And then I think one, because obviously I was trying to help Charlotte get through it. She slowly become sort of come around to the idea of accepting the fact of what was going on. And because I then didn't need to help her as much, it made me sit there think and go, Oh no, actually maybe I'm not okay. Mm. And then it started sinking in for me. It was probably, a month after maybe two months even after that actually i was like then oh no it it this is actually happening mm. and i think because i've been on autopilot worrying about charlotte the whole time it didn't my feelings almost didn't come out or didn't matter to me at the time but as soon as i had one minute sort of spare to for it all to click in place and to know every, let everything sink in that's when it sort of was like Oh no, maybe I do. Maybe I'm not okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, if, if absolutely. I can sense. understand that because initially you're taking the position of almost taking the lead, taking in the information, sorting stuff out, and then you've got time to kind of reflect and think about your own feelings in regards to the situation, yeah. and then it kind of just all kind of gets on top of you. Does it? Does would that yeah. be fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It, it's, it's sort of almost like a roller coaster of emotions. Mm. You know, you sort of like, yep, I'm dealing with this, and then all of a sudden you'll just be sitting there, and bang, it hits you like everything that's going on, and then you start dealing with it again, and then you, you know, we have another meeting or another talk to the oncologist or someone like that, and it, you, you almost forget about it a little bit, not completely, mm. but you forget about it a little bit as you're going along, and then obviously the chemo happens. And that's really tough. I mean, it's re one of the hardest things about the chemo is, is you know, I'm, I'm still working. Mm. Um, we've got a seven-month-old daughter yeah. and an eight-year-old. Um, so it's not just, obviously, Charlotte, who's, she, you know, when she's poorly or unwell, which, 
you know, which is every three weeks basically when the chemo has taken place. Um, so you don't, I don't just have to obviously worry about her. I then have to worry about Nathan, make sure he's going to school okay, and then my daughter Jessica. <coughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things. And obviously with lockdown, you can't just say, "Mum, can I take the kids around to you for the day?" Can I do, you know, you can't, it's harder to even ask for help from the people who are closest to you because it, it's, you know, I worry that I would catch something to give to Charlotte mm. and she can't afford to catch anything. So it's kind of like, it's a scary scenario at times, you know? No, I can appreciate that. So when you said you, you know, it's really understandable roller coaster of emotions, can you kind of give an idea of what those emotions are and what, you know what the different yeah. types of emotions you've gone through since obviously the beginning and and i would imagine it's it's probably had a huge impact <coughs> going into a lockdown situation where contact with friends and family probably isn't as it would normally be yeah so i mean i know like one of the things for charlotte is you know she um she just obviously like with her family she, she would just like to give her mom or you you know you she'd give her mum a hug or a dad a hug or, you know, just little things that you can't do so easily now. Um, I mean, for me, I started off and I was relatively sort of, I had almost no emotions. It was weird. I, I almost was just blank and I had no sort of exact feelings to start off with, which then turned into more of a, at times I would just be angry for no reason. Mm. You know, it just at a simplest thing. I'd be doing a washing up and uh, I'd throw a spoon in the sink because it was annoying me or something. You know, just silly little things, nothing massive, but like, you know, like little things niggling away at you. And then, and then other times, you know, you, you would feel completely, you know, like the, my, the, one of the hardest things for me to start off with was the fact that I felt like I couldn't share my feelings with my wife mm. because she was learning to cope with it, I thought. <laughs> and I was starting to struggle and I felt like I couldn't share my feelings with her. And I actually rang up um, the Macmillan nurses, uh, one of their helpline numbers, and, and they said, you know, perhaps you should share your feelings with your wife. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want her to feel upset because of me feeling upset. Mm. And they said, you know, she's probably going through, she may seem like she's okay, but she probably still has a lot of feelings there that she's not showing you. Mm. And um, that was probably one of the things that was the hardest thing to do because to share your feelings with the person who is unwell because you don't want them to get upset, that was really, really hard. I'm, I'm, that was probably the hardest thing I've had to do throughout the whole of the, the everything, really. Not the hardest, but, you know, one of them. No, I do understand. Um, and actually, she still was upset about certain things as well. But she didn't want to tell me because she was worried that she would upset me. So we were both trying to protect each other. And actually, both of us were probably feeling worse because of it. Because, you know, rather than me telling Charlotte that I was upset because um, I was scared that, you know, she, she wasn't going to make it or, or what happens. You know, a lot of things go through your head. Like, what happens if um, she does pass away in two years' time? I've got a seven-month-old and a eight-year-old at the moment. Obviously, in two years' time, I'm going to have a two-year-old and a ten-year-old. How will I look after two children of my own? You know, those are 
things that scare you a little. Yeah, they do. And so after your conversation with McMillan, um, and I will just... Signal went a bit funny there, mate. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, I will ask you about McMillan um, in, in a second, but after your conversation with them, did you and Charlotte manage to have a, an open conversation about how you're both feeling? Yeah, and I think that that was definitely a thing that massively helped me to try to cope with things. Mm. And I think it helped Charlotte as well, you know. She's been terrific through it all, you know. She she obviously has down days where, because obviously, you know, she doesn't want to leave leave her kids, you know. It, it's hard for her in that respect, you know. I mean, so, yeah, she obviously has her down days, but I think that since we was a little bit more open with each other, and openness is something I've never, ever really been great at when it comes to my feelings no it's a lot of men I've always <laughs> yeah i mean like i i've charlotte's seen me cry three times in my life or something like that and we've been together for pretty much 10 years you know mm. <laughs> so so yeah it's, there's a lot um yeah i'm not very good at expressing it with with people normally but you know i think the, the problem for me is i never want to always express my feelings because i'm always worried that you know, like I play Patong, for example. Mm. I'm always worried that if, if I tell people that I am suffering or struggling with something, that I won't be able to... People will look at me differently in sport or in in, in work or, or anything. I think that's one of the, the things. But recently, obviously, I've, I've kind of felt like I've had to tell people how I feel mm. because... You know, I can't just come home and be in a bad mood from work and Charlotte look, looks at me like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have, to, I have, I've had to share a lot more. Yeah, and I think, I don't think you're alone in that fear. I think a lot of people have that, almost like a fear that they're going to be judged or thought of differently. Um, I think a lot of people probably can relate to that. But this is a question I'm going to ask you. When you have shared your feelings with Charlotte, but also with other people, with your friends, even with me, how how what response have you had and have you has it has it uh, had a positive impact on you i mean <laughs> uh, well yeah i would say that since i've told charlotte how i felt it definitely felt like a, a massive weight was lifted off my shoulders because mm. it felt like i was almost keeping a secret from her mm. you know i was scared about how the outcome was going to what was going to happen and keep bottling that that in all the time it just wasn't healthy mm. um i spoke to a couple of friends um but one friend i spoke to they got really upset and then that almost felt like i didn't want to talk to that person because i didn't want to upset them okay. so i think that i think that some of the you know talking to family uh, has has been definitely beneficial and you know I think you've got to find the right people to talk to. Yeah. So sometimes the Macmillan helpline, for example, you can say stuff to them that you wouldn't dream saying in front of someone else. Uh, I can understand yeah. that completely. Then you can say your biggest fears to them and they, they don't judge you. They don't know you. Mm. And I think that that's a helpful way of getting rid of a lot of your feelings mm. is with someone who doesn't know you mm. because they can't judge or have an opinion. They just listen. And mm. I think that that was a massive, massive help throughout the whole thing. I mean, obviously speaking to Charlotte was a massive help. Mm. She's been amazing to me 
and she's going for it all herself. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. This is why these organisations are so important. You've hit the nail on the head because it takes away that fear of being able to discuss your feelings. So when you've got the likes of Macmillan, they don't know you. Samaritans are another organisation. You're talking to people that, you know, they don't know you so you're more likely to be open with your uh f- uh, with your feelings so i can fully appreciate that so just with macmillan have they what kind of service have they provided and have you found them of a benefit to you and to charlotte yes yeah, so there's a couple of different ways that they they help so we have a lung specialist nurse mm. who is actually part of the macmillan suite at lister so if we have um questions or things we wish to bring up with regards to treatment and that sort of side of things you kind of you ring her up and she kind of does all the legwork for you they do she does all the heavy lifting and just sort of you don't have to worry about it which which actually massively helps because you're not constantly worried about what what's happening because they saw it for you um with the the phone helpline system that's amazing as well. So you have one where you can ask to speak to a nurse and they're fully trained and they will talk through all sorts of treatments with you. They'll talk to you about any sort of concerns you have about that side of things. And then there's also, uh, you can get put through to a different person, set of people and they, they're more of a emotional support mm. kind of a way of counselling sort of side of looking looking at it um but i mean i'll be honest when i first found out about everything i didn't even realize i could speak to them do you know what i mean Mm. like in in your own mind you're not you're not having the treatment why why do you need to speak to them but they made it pretty clear a couple of times you know ring us up we're here to help you just as much as we're here to help your wife going through it all you know Mm. and yeah oh yeah and i I I wasn't aware of that either with uh, and I think that's really useful kind of information to share because it sounds like they're a really really good organization and it's not just for the person who's having to cope with the diagnosis but also for their family so you can I assume and correct me if I'm wrong but I'm assume you can use them as much as perhaps Charlotte could use them yeah, yeah. so you just go on the, you go on their website and you search for Macmillan Helpline or whatever it was and there's there's a number on there, and you can ring up the Macmillan support people anytime you want, basically. That's really good. Um, yeah. Oh, so Charlotte was just mentioned to me as well. They they even have like um like child counselling available as well. So oh, wow. someone who is trained to help children. Um, but it's all stuff that you. Yeah, you, the Macmillan nurse as well who's the lung specialist at Lister, I've probably rang her more times than Charlotte has. Mm. <laughs> because I'm the one who's always got the questions, you know. Mm. I'm like, what about this? What happens if this happens? And it, it, yeah, I, I ask quite a lot of questions. Yeah. And touching on that subject in terms of uh, they've even got child counsellors, obviously, as you said to earlier, and, and sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got a, a young baby. Did you say seven months? Seven months She's old. Seven months. Seven months, and then you've got uh, your son as well, who's eight years old. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. How has that? How has from you know from a mental health perspective? How has that been 
dealing with that, you know, the difficulty of what do you say to your children in that situation? Can you kind of give us an insight into how how yeah. hard that has been and what you how you've kind of dealt with that? So with Nathan, he's eight years old, coming up nine. He's not he's not a silly child. He's got very good understanding of how how life works, even though he's quite young, you know. Um, so with him, we had to be honest and tell him that my wife had cancer because we were all it would have taken is, I mean, Charlotte was using a ice cap treatment to try and keep her hair. But after two lots of treatment, her hair had pretty much all fallen out. So if we hadn't have almost told Nathan prior to that, don't think he would have it would have probably made more questions in the future so we were quite honest with him in the respect of telling him that she had cancer and then a little bit later we sort of followed up with him almost sort of saying you know have you got any more questions and he, he originally he he had said i think he told one of the children in the playground because we said to him you know it, you know we're not going to, it's not a secret. You know, if you, if you want to say something to someone, you can say something, it's up to you. And it, it had gone round anyway. One kid had said to another kid that this is his mummy, he's got cancer, blah, blah, blah. And it spread around like quite a few children. And one day, you know, one of the children had said something quite nasty to him and he, he obviously come home quite upset. And that was a real, that was a real hard one, that was. And, and I said to him, you know, I said, do you actually know what cancer is? And he said, well, cancer makes you die you die and that was that was sort of because you know so obviously we had to go into a little bit more detail with him that you know mommy was going to have some treatment and we're going to see how the treatment goes and you know fingers crossed and you try to be honest but at the same time not we didn't want to give him the full story mm. um because even we didn't know at the time what the chemo was going to do mm. because of it being such a rare type of cancer so yeah mentally it was very hard to tell him um, I spoke to him a bit and then my wife Charlotte spoke to him a bit as well um, and then obviously we ask him all the time how are you doing you know you've got any questions you know but yeah it was very very challenging to try and explain to a, an eight-year-old about it oh that was I was really hard and it, it was quite upsetting to obviously <laughs> have to tell him anything really because mm. You don't want him to worry about stuff like that. He's only eight years old, you know. Yeah, and that must that must add to the 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 mental load of having to deal with a situation like that. But I suppose on the other side, you know, where how how has it impacted on your relationship not only with uh, Nathan because I I guess you've had to share quite a lot more um, intimate information than perhaps you would in normal situation so how has that impacted on your relationship with not only nathan but with your family as a whole with charlotte and your little one how's yeah, how's I it mean, what impact has it had yeah so we obviously it kind of made us all a little bit sort of come together a little bit mm. because you kind of appreciate things a little bit more like you know when we first was told two years it was obviously quite a kick in the teeth um and luckily for me when i told my work they've been really supportive about it um and I've, I've basically been told you know if you need to take time away from work feel free to do that so for example 
we've done more we was trying to do more stuff so we went away we went to um your great yarmouth it was only for a week but it was a great week away you know it, it was amazing like we had a really good time away and obviously that was sort of in between lockdowns and the plan was you know we try and go away and make as many memories as we can in case the worst did happen mm. um so it kind of made us all appreciate each other a little bit more mm. if that makes sense no it does, it does make do sense more. Uh, yeah, we tried to do a lot more together in terms of doing things like going places. But obviously, then lockdown two or whatever it came in, and yeah. and now we're in lockdown again. And it, yeah, it's 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 really hard because, I mean, I, I should say that obviously we have had after all of Charlotte's chemo, it shrunk the cancer from seven centimeters to two point nine. So they was doing the chemo to try to stop it from growing more than anything. Mm. So to shrink it is a really big thing. Um, but obviously, we still don't know what's going to happen mm. fully yet. So for us, this lockdown is really annoying because let's say there's another two years from now, even it could be 10 years. We, we don't know because obviously it's not. We've got maybe another lot of chemo, hopefully, to go through in a, in a few months' time because you have to wait between. Um, but, you know, for us, we would like to go away and make memories and stuff. Absolutely. And then you're stuck at home mm. <laughs> and, you're, and it's really, it's really, it really hurts the fact that you can't just go and do whatever you want whenever you want. You know, like a couple of years ago, we could have just got, you could have gone away for a week every month. For, for a year and it wouldn't have mattered would it you know Absolutely. And right now you, we're, we're stuck here and it's yeah I think that's one of the hardest things for us like because we want to make memories in case the worst does happen mm. and you can't so mentally it, it's really really tough yeah and that probably feeds into really that roller coaster of emotions yeah and, and that's yeah. that's one of the huge downsides of uh, the lockdown uh, situation is the impact that has on yeah. people's mental health just generally but also if you're having to go through an extremely stressful situation as well then it, it does make things uh, even worse so i can yeah. i can fully uh, fully appreciate that so even, yeah yeah go on. no 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 go on. Go on. no 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 i was just going to say even you know the first law of chemotherapy Charlotte would have loved for me to have gone with her yeah. and in normal days I could have done but you know her having to do that on her own that was I'm really proud of how she how well she done you know yeah. and you know like that that was hard for her mm. to do that that was really hard but that's mm. you know a lockdown thing again you know if we didn't have the lockdown right now could have gone with her <laughs> you know if things were normal normal times yeah and that's absolutely. I think that's that's yeah and also, like we had touched on earlier, that with the lockdown situation, is the ability to be able to keep in touch properly with your friends and family. I know, I know, they're only a phone call away, of course, but the you know, in a situations like this, I should imagine both you and Charlotte wish sometimes you could just have your family right by your side, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, Christmas was really hard. Yeah, you know, like we we we'd gone out, we got presents, and everyone, you know, it was all let's go, happy Christmas, you know. And I said, 
And then obviously just before Christmas, we'd heard, sorry, what was that, Charlotte? Oh yeah. Then obviously we we just before Christmas we'd had that it shrunk a little bit, mm. and it was like, all right, we can all spend some time together as family and actually enjoy it. And then lockdown, you know, mm. and and that, that, that's that's hard. Yeah. Like, I think more so for Charlotte than for me in, in the respect of family, because yeah. you know Charlotte Charlotte just wants to see her mum or dad or whatever. You know, you have a hug or have a chat. You know. It's all, you know, we can talk over Zoom calls and, and phone calls all the time, but it's not quite, it's not the same still, is it, you know? It's, not, yeah. it's, it's good, it's great, but it's still not yeah. that. It's you know, something, that. but it's not It's not exactly what you want or need in yeah. a situation like that, yeah. and I can appreciate that. So on a day-to-day basis, Jeremy, from a perspective of your own well-being, how do, do, you, do you have any kind of tools or anything that you do to cope with your uh emotions on a day-to-day basis so for example do you sometimes find yourself do you know what just having a good cry or um i don't know if you read in any sort of books or whatever it may be is there anything you do on a day-to-day basis to try and help with your mental well-being do you, do you know it sounds a bit weird but one of the best things i find to help is the normal routine Okay. So when I go into work, for example, when I go into work, I don't think about anything that's going on outside of work. Mm. Um, I'm not for I, I have to go into work because it's easier to go in than to obviously I can't remotely log on very easily. Sorry. Um, so when I go into work, you almost forget about it for a few hours, mm. and it gives you a break. <laughs> it's a bit harder, obviously, when you get home again, but. So you I find think, you find that distraction actually helps with it in terms yeah, of yeah yeah. So when we're in between lockdowns, way back in, oh, there was a was it September I think mm. there was a couple of petong tournaments, yeah. and that was really nice. That was a bit of a normality, you know, um, to go and play a sport that I enjoyed. It, it kind of because I've, I've always found that throughout my whole life, if I'm ever struggling. I can go and play petanque, for example, or go and do something like that, and it stops. I completely forget about everything that's going on in life, and it gives you something to to do. So obviously, I think that was since we haven't been able to do that, that was definitely a, made it a lot worse, like emotions and stuff, because there is almost no escape. Um, I spend a lot of time nowadays. Say a lot of time. Quite late in the evenings, I I, I play on my Xbox, mm. talk with my friends on there, you know. Even though it just sometimes there's that sort of distraction of having, you know, something else to do has massively helped me. Mm. Um, but no, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are still days. There's days where I don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. There, there are days where I just don't know what to do you know mm. like i sit there i'll be on my phone or something and i'll sit there for two hours and just do nothing and and that's a yeah that, that's a struggle but i mean i think the the kids have definitely massively helped yeah you know having jessica and nathan i think that they they you they give you a boost when you feel down a bit you know you look at the kids and you think all right okay keep going for the kids almost yeah. you know what i mean they're they're a distraction in themselves you know <laughs> but yeah so I, th- I think that the kids have massively helped so and then obviously charlotte but there's nothing I, 
apart from talking to Charlotte and, and the kids and Xbox and little things like that and and work, they're they're my main distractions really. And you also and obviously like we touched on earlier, you've got Macmillan as well, which sounds like they're yeah. a, they're a, yeah. a really, really helpful as well. Um so I'm gonna ask you, have you found yourself just breaking down sometimes which is absolutely fine have you found yourself in a situation where you thought do you know what so the distractions have gone away you're on your own with your own thoughts and have you had a good cry have you have you yeah you broken down i'll be honest i have yeah i mean there are times where i have just been sat there and i don't know driving home from work or something and then you just sort of feel a bit down and you just sort of like feel lost almost mm. And, um, you know, Charlotte's, Charlotte's had some bad days as well, similar sort of thing. You of know, course, she, yeah. You just cry or you, you just feel terrible. And I mean, sometimes I'll just be perfectly happy mood and then all of a sudden something may trigger why I don't feel, like, I don't know, maybe it's just a silence or something. Yeah. But yeah, there are times where I do feel like I cry or not so much cry, but more feel sort of, just sort of shut myself off from people. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's maybe sort of my way of trying to keep it together almost, but mm. it doesn't always help. <laughs> and do you, do you feel as though you have to, and you need to keep it together for Charlotte and the kids? Yeah. I think that that is probably one of the reasons why I haven't been worse. Mm because I feel like I have to try my hardest to keep my stuff together in order to help her and the kids. And, you know, yeah. and Nathan walks in and sees me crying and then you have to explain to him why you're crying. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's not easy to, yeah. but no, I mean, I still, I, I just, I, one of the reasons I first reached out to Macmillan was because I was fed up of being angry and fed up of not, yeah, taking it out a little bit on the people around, like my family more than anything, you know. And that's the last thing I wanted to do. And that's one of the reasons that made me reach out. And, you know, to start off with, as I said before, I, I didn't want to reach out. I didn't want to ask for help because I didn't want people to think I was weak. Mm. When actually, I think even if you're the strongest mentally person in the world, sometimes everyone just needs a little bit of help every now and then you know yeah absolutely and the truth is is that you are going through an incredibly difficult and stressful situation so it's perfectly normal to feel it's perfectly normal to feel weak it's perfectly normal to feel down it's perfectly normal to feel angry all those types of emotions and uh part of the reason why we i want to do discussions like this is so people do understand that it's perfectly normal and actually in uh, in the kind of situation you're experiencing Obviously, it's horrendous, absolutely horrendous for your partner, Charlotte. But also, I do think some people kind of, perhaps not forget, but it kind of gets put to the wayside of how it impacts the other family members as well with yourself. Because a lot of what we've spoken about tonight, it's very clear to me that you've wanted to stay that really strong partner. Um, and perhaps initially, you didn't give yourself... Uh, as much time as you probably would have um, in terms of your own feelings and emotions. But as that time's gone on, it sounds like you and Charlotte talk about your feelings a lot more. You've um, you've had the support from the other, uh, from Macmillan, for example. Um, and I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think by talking about it, it sounds like you've, you've got yourself in a, 
a slightly better mental position. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, 100%. I think if I hadn't spoke to anyone, I don't know what would have happened now. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know where I'd be right now because I, I almost actually wish I'd spoke to someone a little bit sooner than I did, you know, mm. because I struggled for it on my own for, for quite a while. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Charlotte almost saying, you know, find someone to speak to a little bit, you know, mm. speak to someone, then I might not have done that. Mm. But I definitely think if it's, you know, my scenario or really any scenario, even just a half an hour phone call with someone who knows what they're talking about yeah. can make a massive difference and, and, and almost steer you back in the right on the right path to try and make you, you know, there was, it sounds weird, but the Macmillan people, I said to them, you know, I've, I've just, there's things I've been putting up and they said, like, what? And I said, like, the washing up. And they're like, why does that matter? Yeah. Why does anyone care about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'd beat myself up about something so trivial mm. as the washing up. Mm. And they're like, why don't you just talk? Like, why do you care so much about that when you've got this going on? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just even if you can just reach out and it doesn't, I don't think it matters what, what's upsetting you or whatever, like what illness or, or whatnot, or what reason, I think just reaching out and asking for, asking for help mm. makes a massive difference. Yeah. And part of that message is being kind to yourself. The washing up's a good example. Like that, like the lady or man from Macmillan said, do you know what? It is trivial. And sometimes you've got to be kind to yourself. So, so Jeremy, in terms, I mean, we've discussed a lot and you've been incredibly open and I really appreciate that. I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people going through a similar situations. So one of the kind of final questions I wanted to ask you before we before we wrap up is what is for anyone going through similar situations? Because there will be people in similar situations. What kind of message would you give to those families? I mean, I would just. May, the the most the most important thing I think would be just share your feelings. Firstly, if if you're in a situation like mine, share your feelings with the people who are in your house, yeah. because they're probably going through the same thing as you, or feeling very similar feelings to you, and they're probably too scared to tell you. You know, so that's a massive thing for me that I, has definitely helped. Um, and reach out to you know, Macmillan or, you know, whatever. It, it, there's obviously, like you said, the Samaritans or whoever. You know, I rang my doctors and asked for a bit of advice from them as well, you know, um, and they were really helpful. So, yeah, I think that the most important thing is to just talk about what is what is bothering you. Mm. And, and you'll be surprised at actually how many people understand what you're going through a lot more than you think, you mm. know. If, do you understand what I mean when I, I say that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. P people tend to be more empathetic than you first uh, necessarily realise yeah. in that kind yeah. of situation. I think to kind of summarise, would you be fair to say it's it's good to talk, right? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I think that's a good message to take out from this. Yes, it's good to talk, even, even with subjects that are quite sensitive, because cancer is a sensitive subject. But do you know what? People will empathise and people do certainly care. So I think a key message is it is good to talk. And do you know what? The cliche that I mentioned in my first episode, but it sticks with virtually any mental health uh, issue, is that it is okay not to be okay. It is absolutely okay not to be okay. So um, 
I really appreciate your time tonight, Jeremy. It has been very eye-opening. Um, I can't begin to fully understand what you're going through, but you've definitely made it easier for me tonight. Um, and I really appreciate your time. Um, and you know what? I think that you and Charlotte are clearly doing incredibly well. Um, and I hope things move forward as positively as they can. Um, yeah. But before we go, is there any final thoughts you want us to leave on at all? No, mate. I, I 100% agree with what you said, you know. It's good to talk. And hopefully by me telling you how I feel and obviously anyone who listens, even if it just like someone listens to it, hopefully it'll help them. You know, that's, that's why I thought I would come and talk to you, basically, you know. Mm. Hopefully it helps someone else. Absolutely. And that's fantastic. Do you know what? You, you, you're you doing it to kind of uh, open up the discussion around mental health problems, but also a big topic in terms of cancer as well. So I really, really appreciate that. And I hope our listeners do. And uh, And thank you very much. Thank you. No problem.